Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Oh my gosh, Becky, I'm so excited to have you back. Everybody, it's Becky. She's back on hey, the podcast. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh, is it, hasn't this been a lot of fun to be able to come together and talk and drop some knowledge bombs? Agreed. Um, and even today, knowing that we're talking about grooming there's so much information. Mm-hmm. The dork that I am, I, I thought, I thought to make myself some notes because I really want to cover all the material that's inside of my brain regarding grooming. And sometimes if I just don't put it down, like in a tangible manner, um, I won't get to it all. And I know there's no way we could possibly get to all the information, mm-hmm. but this is a goodie in terms of education. Mm-hmm. And grooming is extremely hard to notice for some individuals. And even if you, um, you are very aware and mindful, it still can be very hard to identify. So I wanted to make sure that I covered as much content and shared as much knowledge as I possibly could. Oh yeah. So the studious like, girl like... wrote down notes. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I do research before each podcast, even though I have knowledge, it's always like, I just want to see what else is out there. Right. Cause like you yeah. said, there's so much. And so, um, I wish people, it'd be funny. One of these days I might actually put on our YouTube channel, like an actual live version of this, because I have four computers in my home office right now. I've got the one that's on zoom. I've got my home computer, which has my sloth picture and um, my personal email. And then I've got my work computer that's got the Google open with the different pages of really interesting things that I found while um, I was just kind of doing some Google research on grooming behaviors. And I thought, oh, that's really good. I want to remember that. So Mm -hmm. I've got my pages up. (laughs) We're both, so we're both pretty dorky. And prepared. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm just saying in 2021, going into 2022, if you're not dorky, weird, or strange, do I even want to know you? Do I even want to have you in my life? No, not at all. I embrace it. Bring on, (laughs) bring on the, um, the weird, quirky awesomeness that is. Absolutely. So, yes. So for this podcast, which we're doing this early in December, so we can have a nice Christmas break um, and it'll be hitting the airwaves in January. We're going to just discuss in general, what is grooming or excuse me, what are grooming behaviors, um, how to spot them. And then the second podcast is going to be the application, which will be, oh my gosh, I think my child might 
be in the process of being groomed or even as a parent or an adult in a relationship, what if I'm being groomed? Holy cow. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited for that one too. So what are your just thoughts in general? Hold on, let me back that up. So you've been with New Beginnings for what, 11 years, 12? 11 or 12. So you've been actually 12, 12, really entrenched in the field of uh, sexual assault for the last 12 years. So Mm -hmm. you have a wealth of knowledge and experiences, but just in general, when you first started and you were learning about all things prevention, education, and sexual assault, what was your first thought about grooming in general, if you can think back to then? Um, realizing how deliberate that it was, intentional, highly motivated. It wasn't just an accident. The grooming happens intentionally. Mm. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And so fast forward 12 years in now, what are your thoughts about grooming? Are they the same, which I'm sure they probably are in some respects, but has your, has your thoughts or your ideas changed in any way? No, they've just been strengthened in terms of what a perpetrator, um, the links that they go to. And then I've just built on the knowledge throughout the years. Um, and I don't remember how long ago it was. I mean, it's been a while, maybe especially because COVID I've lost time. Mm-hmm. It's probably been three to five years. Um, and I went to a training and they said that the use of the word grooming, um, people are desensitized to it. So they really do want us to use the word manipulation because that's what it is. Yeah. And you know, that word is such a difficult word to explain, I think, to kids, especially, Mm -hmm. and to their parents and to um, just community members. Like, and I think part of the reason it's so hard to explain what manipulation is we don't want to believe that somebody that we might've trusted manipulated us because that just doesn't feel good. Right. Because as human beings, we want to take on the blame. I allowed myself to be manipulated. And so when you think about things have changed, it's really um, the turn that we need to put the emphasis on the perpetrator selected so selection is a big part of grooming right yes selected and there's nothing that we need to feel guilty or ashamed about um about who we are of why they chose us we do know that it's linked to different things history of trauma uh inability to identify healthy boundaries but yeah so when we know we say manipulated it's it is a, it's a word that comes with feelings as opposed to grooming is, is way more neutral. Mm-hmm. And that's why they want us to use the word manipulation. Um, 
in, in like court legal proceedings and charting, because we want people to know it's not grooming. It is deliberate, intentional manipulation. Yeah, you're right though. That really, as you said, the two words in that same sentence, I just kind of went inside and in the moment and just see how is this landing in my nervous system? Mm -hmm. And when you said manipulated, I was like, Oh, I do not like that. And when you said grooming, I was kind of like, grooming Hmm." and tricked trick falls in the middle. So when Mm -hmm. you are working with the younger kids using the word tricked, and then I'll kind of talk about how tricked and manipulation is the same. Um, But see, even when you say tricked, just think about that. Mm -hmm. It can sound playful. It can sound, uh, you say manipulate. Mm, I feel it in my belly immediately. Like the tension, like a block of cement in my belly manipulation. Yeah, we don't want to think that that happens to us, but it does. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah, manipulation, manipulated with a D. I like that. Hmm. So 12 years of hardcore experience in sexual assault movement, but of course, just the other years have just generalized, you know, with your social work background. What do you feel is beneficial for our listeners out there in the United States, over in India, um, just gosh, it's all over the world, whoever downloads and listens. What do you think are some basic things to become aware of, of understanding what is manipulation, especially in regards to um, sexual assault and in regards to um, perpetration. So we know that kids can be manipulated. And then we know that there is online grooming and manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also know that in order to gain access to a child, a parent or caregiver has to be manipulated first. So when we think about manipulation, those three things come up mm-hmm. uh, because there's so many different definitions, examples of a manipulation that it c- can occur. Um, and we can dive into those. We can talk about different examples of grooming, you know, and, and I have a book, The Child Lures, which I know that you have too. And I don't mm-hmm. know putting it up as a visual because this is I'll put it on the people can't see yeah I'll put it in the details of this uh podcast if they want to go and check out the book they can all and have you ever read this from front to back very quickly but yes but I like how it talks about all the different kinds of ways that somebody could be groomed slash manipulated so I use a combination of that with um the unmasking sexual con games which is also another really great information, a book reference that use that we use in treatment. And the best way that I like to explain it, especially to kids, and even it, it creates a visual for caregivers and adults, is the example the book gives about baiting. Mm-hmm. When you go fishing and you throw out that lure, you throw out your fishing line, 
and the bait on there isn't real food and the fish don't know the difference. So they go to the bait and they grab a hold and they get caught. They got tricked. They were baited, right? Mm-hmm. And so I use that a lot of times to open the doors in conversation to kids and adults to understand what they may see the fish sees as food, bait, survival, yum, interest. I'm going to grab onto that. I need that. I want it. Versus the intention of the person who's throwing the pole in is to trick, to bait. So it kind of helps separate those roles. Um, and so for some understanding, but I don't know, you tell me which way you want to roll because I think having an understanding of what manipulation and grooming is mm-hmm. and then what does it look like? I like that idea. Yeah. Because, you know, we cannot cover every single base because, you know, this takes multiple, multiple sessions, you know, with whomever we're working with in general. Um, but just a foundational understanding. And then I can put links to different, you know, websites as well. So if people want to, you know, further their education, but yeah, what is it? What does it look like? What might it sound like? Yeah. You know? um, because sometimes I think if we can kind of tune in and use the five senses when we're, you know, providing knowledge and information that can sink that even further into our brain. And, mm-hmm. and so like as a single parent, who's just been through a really bad breakup or a divorce, you know, if I kind of think back and I'm hearing this podcast and somebody says, you know, um, perpetrators select their victims based on crisis, based on when people are in need, based on slipping in to try to provide help and seeming supportive, then as a single parent, I might be a little bit more wary. Like, oh, wait a minute. Hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so if we can kind of tackle it from the five senses on what it is, what does it sound like, look like, what does it feel like? Um, Well, I think one important thing for people to notice is with manipulation and grooming, and I'll use those words just um, interchangeably, is that it's a gradual process. Mm-hmm. So it may, it, it could be very slow, it's gradual, uh, which is one of the reasons why it's really hard for people to detect it um, because you're building that fake trust with a kid, with a, um, parent or caregiver so you can get to access to the kid. Mm-hmm. So I have some notes and I will be looking at them because like I said, there's so much information with grooming yeah. and I don't want to miss anything. Go for um, it. So if we just talk about recognizing grooming, mm-hmm. we know that Building trust is one of the most important things with one version of grooming Mm -hmm. Um, and manipulation is building trust. So what can that look like if you're trying to build trust with 
a caregiver if you're trying to groom them so you can enter their kid or a kid. So in the form of building trust, it could be you are pretending to be that kid's friend. You are letting that single mom know, I'm here. I can babysit your kid anytime. I'm here. I can take you. I can do anything that you need. I'm here for you. And I think it's really hard because at one point in my career, when I'm going through all of these grooming techniques, it's like, holy shit, how do you know the difference between a good human Mm -hmm. and someone who is going out of their way to trick and try to gain my trust in order to hurt my children? That's the million dollar question. Yeah. Because I think as adults, sometimes we make decisions based on desperation. You know? Yeah. Um, Survival. I need this person in my life. Um, I, I need this individual to watch my kids, even though I, you know, don't know if they're safe because I have to make a living and I have to pay my house payment. And um, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, it, I think it's, it's an easy answer to that million dollar question that you asked by saying, well, you got to learn to trust your instinct. <laughs> but here's the problem, right? Is yeah, I know why you laugh because your brain went right where mine was. Um, but you know, sexual assault really is um, very much generational. It is very much entrenched in the story of many families. Mm-hmm. And so, what if the mom or dad themselves have been a victim? never received treatment or help because they didn't know or nobody offered that to them and their ability to trust themselves is not it's not as as functioning because they've learned I can't trust anyone I can't even trust myself so how do you even trust mixed in with a lack of knowledge or Boundaries, emotional boundaries, physical boundaries, sexual boundaries. Mm-hmm. So when we think about the process being long, mm-hmm. when you're grooming and manipulated, it's not just the emotional earning of the trust. Um, there is the We're gradual progression. Yeah. With physical. So we think about wrestling and tickling. Mm-hmm. We think about, um, excessive touching in general. I mean, and I, and I want to talk about that one, excessive touching. People have their own physical and sexual boundaries. Um, when I give hugs, when I handshake, if I am holding a hand, giving a kiss, I'm going to use the word intentional again. It's, it's because I want to, and it's consensual and it's two way. Um, does it happen all the time? Um, I give my people that I love hugs, but when we're talking about excessive 
kissing, excessive hugging, excessive oh. snuggling, excessive tickling, wrestling. Um, and, and even when I say this out loud, do what? Poking. When I say this out loud, it's like, can you imagine listening this and then immediately thinking, wait, I love my children or my husband loves my children or my, um, mm-hmm. my, my parents love my children, but also knowing everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's even, it's, it's even hard as it's coming out of my mouth of like, mm-hmm. oh, so yeah. about if you have to stop and say, wow, that individual really does tickle my kid a lot or is really in their personal space a lot or is um, spending more time with my kid than they want to spend with me. Mm. Mm -hmm. So what I think could be helpful too is if I just run through some examples of of grooming. So we know with the gradual touching, um, the testing, the boundaries. So what can that look like? Jokes. The general exposure to discussing things that are sexual in nature, a sexual joke. So that desensitizing to discussions about, and it's not just identifying what private parts are for education. Um, It could be someone who is older explaining sexual things to a child that's not of age to know yet. It's very different from a parent or guardian sitting down and having a general conversation with their child, depending on when they feel like that is appropriate, um, on the reproductive system, about pregnancy, about babies, as opposed to very specific sexual acts, slang, jokes. So those are two very different things when we're doing sexual education. And to know the difference between which one looks like grooming and manipulation because they're doing overexposure of sexual content versus a healthy conversation about, we'll just say the birds and the bees and being open to questions. So when we're talking about grooming, that it's going to happen Continuously, right? Mm-hmm. Slow periods of time, but continuous. Mm-hmm. And it gets built upon and built upon. And how many times are we going to have that initial birds and bees talk and maybe hit it up a couple months later with a question? Or we enter a different stage with our kids. Um, and then we open and maybe d- discuss a little bit more to build upon what we already spoke about. Very different from telling sexual jokes and describing sexual acts in detail. And I'll add to that, that it's, I think as a parent, those discussions occur naturally, right? As far as like the birds and the bees, like, especially when kids become very curious about their own private parts. And that's, that's like, I call that that organic moment where you can have those and they build upon each other and versus somebody saying, oh, you want to see what it's like to French kiss someone? And the kid has never even, here, let me show you this video, you know, um, 
yeah, that's very different. That's like, it's, it's, it's how it's presented and it's when, because kids are curious and they're going to come home and they're going to ask questions from preschool, Mm -hmm. from kindergarten about penises and vaginas and babies, because kids are talking about that stuff. So, you know, it's like it, it happens organically instead of when I, when I think about manipulation, it's where that perpetrator is pushing their agenda, you know? Well, and you said one other thing that fits, that falls right into that is um, videos, pornography, mm-hmm. sexual pictures. If I'm going to be teaching about the reproductive system or different things, if I use um, pictures or graphs, it's not, it's going to be different than when a perpetrator is grooming and showing pornography, mm-hmm. uh, pictures of penises, pictures of vaginas, um, sexual acts being performed. And that's a part of that desensitization as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll say one more thing when we're talking about um, like physical trust. So something that I think that perpetrators will do toward the adults to gain the access is if I'm providing food, if I am bringing over McDonald's or, you know, what maybe can't be afforded or doesn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a way that perpetrators can gain that trust with the caregivers and the kids pushing, yep. pushing the boundaries of like bedtime, you know, oh, mom or oh, dad, come on now let them stay up 30 more minutes. And that's building that, um, I don't even like to use this word, but there might be a better one, a connection between the perpetrator and that kid of like, hey, look at what I'm doing for you. I'm getting you to stay up late. You know, let's let's gang up on uh, the bad parent. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to call that one the triangulation effect mm-hmm. where the perpetrator is rescuing that kid. So they're giving them special treatment Now, um, if they, we'll just say like a um, boyfriend, girlfriend scenario, and the boyfriend is saying to the girlfriend, well, don't you think that's a little harsh? Let's, let's let them stay up a little bit later or so that special treatment Mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. When we're also talking about physical testing and boundaries, we're thinking about when we do the tickling and the wrestling. Um, the testing, so they may be tickling, but tickling spots, you know, I teach tickling on the belly, tickling on the feet, tickling becomes not a good touch. If you ask to stop or you have to, to pee, um, if you're saying stop and someone doesn't, Mm -hmm. or when we start to talk about touching games, like truth or dare games that have to do with body parts Mm -hmm. and sexual nature or show and tell with your body parts. So even in the field, I've heard a lot of stories where the physical boundaries just get pushed immediately with tickling and wrestling. And what does the kid think when they touch their breast when they're wrestling? Oh, it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when it happens again the next time, or then it's the vagina or it's the bra strap. And then so I've always told people, you know, um, accidents happen, but someone's, I've never been accidentally 
touched on the breast or the vagina. Mm -mm. Not accidentally. No, and all my ears are tickling. Nope. Mm -mm. Sure haven't. I can remember being like in middle school and those weird awkward moments where the um, lockers are and someone has to reach across and they may have like gotten my personal space and that person like yanked their arm back because they were right next to my breast or something. That's yeah. about yeah. as close as an accidental. But when we're talking about like wrestling and tickling, um, there's no reason that those parts. And so the perpetrator is using that as an example to desensitize and see, are they going to stop me? Are they going to put up the stop sign? The mom sees me doing this. What is she going to say? She didn't even say anything. Check. Green light for me. I'm going to mm -hmm. keep on going. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what else? What else? Um, breaking rules. Yes. Encouraging breaking of rules so then you can blackmail. Um, so it could be where, and I'm, I'm just going to stick with the boyfriend and mom situation or grandparent situation because it's an easy one to just refer back to. Um, I'm going to let you stay up late. I'm going to let you smoke the cigarette. I'm going to let you sneak out. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm asking you to do something for me now. And then we kind of go into the bribery. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do that. I'm going to tell your mom that you smoked that cigarette. I'm going to tell your mom you've been sneaking out of the house. If you don't do what I asked you to do. Yeah. So that, that, um, initial of breaking rules and to feel special but now has turned into threats and intimidation. Mm-hmm. What about, this is my favorite, especially this time of year, sitting on people's laps because of ho, ho, ho <laughs> here in the United, and I'll say this here in the United States and, you know, elsewhere where the holiday of Christmas is celebrated with Santa Claus being the main character who brings gifts to children and sitting on his lap and having your picture taken and, you know, telling him everything you want and, and. I'm sure there are some very nice, kind, non-perpetrating Santa Clauses out there. So I don't want anybody to come for me in those comments or anything, okay? I'm just using an example of sitting on laps and telling children to go sit on someone's lap. Oh, that's your grandpa. That's your grandmother. Go, go sit on their lap, you know, when they might not want to. It doesn't, and for whatever reason, there's doesn't feel safe in their nervous system. Or mm -hmm. here, let me show you how to play this video game the right way. So here you sit in my lap. So not only are you sitting in my lap, but now I've actually have the ability to keep you, right? And mm -hmm. you don't have anywhere to go. And what are the odds that you're going to tell me, no, I don't feel comfortable because you're getting to do something special, like play a video game mom doesn't know, or, Hey, it's a video game. That's out of your maturity level. So you actually know that it's special. Cause if mom knew that you were playing Fortnite or, you know, depending on the kid's age, yeah. um, she would not like this. So you're probably not going to tell me no, because you want to be able to play this game. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That just sparked my brain. 
about video games that are not age appropriate. Oh, and have sexual content in nature. It's like a double whammy. Yeah. Oh, because then the perpetrator can go, oh, look at those knockers. Oh, look at that prostitute going to do X, Y, Z in the car with that person. Well, what do you mean? What is that? Oh, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what that looks like and sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so many of those video games are sexual in nature. Oh, there's a whole, I mean, you just <laughs> go but off yeah. on that tangent. Yeah. 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 So another big one for me too, um, while I'm raising the kids is secrets. And so we use the word, um, special a lot of times and substitute instead of secrets. But when we do talk about secrets, it's known we don't keep secrets in our family. (laughs) And so also, if you think about it to a secret, is usually something that at some point will be told. As opposed to the intentional secrets that are asked to be kept forever. Mm-hmm. And so as, as my kid gets older and, you know, he's, he's coming into, this is special, um, this is a special hiding spot. Um, I know my brother's birthday present and he doesn't. I'm teaching him that, you know, mm-hmm. even if I tell you this, it's only something that we're going to keep to ourselves for a short amount of time. Eventually, everybody will know. Yes. And I think that's been very hard because you balance of, I think it is completely at this age telling him we don't keep secrets, but I know as he gets older, mm-hmm. organically, that's going to happen with friendships um, mm-hmm. where there's trust. And so I know it's, it's not realistic to say we don't keep secrets. So finding that way of being able to explain a healthy secret versus a not healthy because a secret at some point will be told. It, it should have an expiration date. And when we think about like touching and sexual things, um, there's never an expert, like you will keep the secret forever. You can never tell any. Yeah. Yeah. So we know, you know, whether it's, or even communicating in secret, texting, emailing, calling, um, messaging on video games, sneaking on to play with that partner. Or even on the online platform, uh, isolating. Mm hmm to one particular platform where the messages can't be read. Like Snapchat, because those disappear. Mm -hmm. So we know a lot with secrets. Um, When we think about boundary or when we think about grooming and manipulation too, it's really important to bring in status and age. So we think about is this someone my kid puts on a pedestal? They can do no wrong. Um, and then age. So, you know, if you've got this 19 year old cool cousin who buys the coolest shoes and uses the coolest language and listens to the coolest music 
and little cousin thinks he's the bee's knees, you know, how much interaction really is appropriate for that 19 year old and that six year old to spend time together? Yeah, not a lot. I mean, honestly, really not. A I mean, lot. what do they have in, what do they have in common? Nothing. Yeah. And so that those things can be really hard to identify when you're in a family of knowing like, oh, well, that cousin just really loves kids. And he really loves it that my six-year-old thinks he's amazing and he wants to be a great role model for him. So he reads some books and he takes some four-wheeler riding and he does all these things. But, you know, we also have to think like when I was 19, who did I want to hang out with? My friends. Yeah. Not, not my six-year-old cousin. Not kids. Nope. Nah. Because developmentally, that is not where 19-year-olds are. Developmentally, 19-year-olds are all about uh, just developing those peer relationships and really nothing and no one else exists that's developmentally appropriate for teenagers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think just breaking down some of those examples is important because when we look at something, we may not notice. Oh, well, that's a good point. Like, why would that? Why would that 19 year old want to be around my six year old? Um, we also know that intimidation and fear are used with grooming. Oh, yeah. So we know we want to be able to like establish a good rapport with this kid, but then also other perpetrators will groom and manipulate by using fear and intimidation. You know, here's something uh, that also comes to mind. Um, and manipulating and grooming, like especially if there's multiple children in a home, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a perpetrator will only pick out one, not all, or they might try until they find one that they are able to groom, you know. Um, but as a parent, I would begin to just be concerned, like, let's say I have three or four kids and the person that I'm dating gives an exorbitant amount of attention to just one kid mm-hmm. out of the whole household. Yep. Boy, that, that's, ooh, that's concerning. Oh, you're only taking that kid to the store. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You only brought that kid McDonald's. Yep. So these are really subtle things. Yeah, they can be, especially, let's just say, especially like, you know, right now, sometimes because we are so exhausted, we are so tired because as the parent, I'm wearing five different hats and I'm doing it all by myself. Oh, I get a break here. Yes. Thank you so much for taking her off my hands or taking him off my hands. Yep. So the intimidation too, or um, fear can be verbal or nonverbal. So when we think about grooming and manipulation, a lot of times it isn't, like I just said, it's not that I'm going to treat you special. It can start that way, but it could just very much well be, I'm going to intimidate you with fear. So I Mm -hmm. have control and you're just going to do what I say. Mm So if I'm creating a threatening environment, if I'm physically and emotionally um, abusive in the household, I'm just going to straight bully you to do what I want because you're going to be scared to tell me no. 
or you're going to be afraid I'm going to hurt you. Or I'm going to show you what I do if you say no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to hurt your siblings. I'm going to hurt your family pet. I'm going to hurt your mom, your dad. I'm going to I'm going to actually in real time do that and you see it. Yeah. So we're talking about Christmas and we're talking about birthdays. And so I think um, when we think about grooming and manipulation gifts too, and that can be hard because gifts are fun. Um, And a kid wants a gift. So being aware of that and maybe even, which that's floating into your next podcast, but you know, letting your kids know when, when do we get gifts? When are appropriate times that we receive gifts and who are they from? Mm-hmm. So when we think about status and we think about relationships, we also have to think about a role. So if mom and dad buy me a birthday present, okay. Um, my teacher at school gives me a birthday present. Mm. I guess that could happen. I'm trying to think of a role where it may be like questionable. My soccer coach gives me a birthday present, my karate teacher. Um, you know, in some applications, it's not going to be uh, easy to identify because like a, a grandparent is probably going to give a birthday present. But oh, yeah. we need to be aware of how often are gifts being given when it's not a part of the year that kids normally receive presents. That in high dollar versus, you know, because like if my best friend is giving 25, 50, $7,500 gifts all the time, yeah. Things that I can't afford to give. It's like, hmm, what's going on here? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's that's different. It's creating wedges and family dynamics and family secure relationships. It's creating um, disharmony. It's mm-hmm. putting that person exactly where they want them to be. You know, a couple of times already we've said um, when a perpetrator selects or picks. And I think it's important to know that is one of, so there's two things, Mm -hmm. selection and access. Mm -hmm. When we think about grooming and manipulation. So we know that the top two, well, there's a lot of different studies, but consistently we're seeing that selection of the victim as a part of how I'm gonna groom and manipulate and how, how do I have access? Is it easy to access them? Are the two biggest motivators. Yeah. So what do, what do perpetrators look for when they victim select? Wow. Well, number one, um, and this is just looking from a biological perspective, they're going to look for the weakest link in the herd. Like when lions and tigers are selecting their prey, right from the elk, they're gonna go after the babies. 
they're going to go after the sick ones, the vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. So whether that's a kid, an individual with a disability physically, an individual with a disability mentally, um, women, minorities, the elderly. Yeah. You know, I kind of explain it to a parent like you have this house and it's um, which one is the burglar going to pick to break into? Is it the house at the end of the cul-de-sac where the light is broken and the grass has grown up and um, they don't have a fence or a dog? Or are they going to pick the house to break into that's in the well-lit area? where the neighbors are right next door. They have their porch light on. There's a privacy gate. There's a dog in the back. They're going to pick the house that doesn't have as much protection, that isn't noticed as much, that maybe is neglected, maybe not, you know. So we're talking yeah. about kids, well, kids, anybody who's in a vulnerable population. Um, and there's a lot of different things that can make you vulnerable besides the things that I just said. It could be maybe you're vulnerable because you're in a one-parent home. Yes. Maybe you're vulnerable because your parents have divorced and you haven't got a whole lot of attention. Yeah. Maybe you're vulnerable because you have low self-esteem. So if I'm a perpetrator, I'm looking for all these things. You know, when they've done the studies um, where they did the group of sexual offenders and a part of their treatment was to tell all their grooming techniques, what were their tricks of the trade? They had to put this all together and document it and like publish it and share it with professionals. It was the number one thing was picking someone and most of these perpetrators were selecting children where the kids did not have any anyone who cared for them. So one particular person was a bus driver. So let's talk about victim selection and access. Tons of access to kids. Then he gets to see when he drops those kids off every day, who met them at the bus stop? What did they do when they met up at the bus stop? Were they staring at their phone? Did they give them a hug? Did they yeah, yell and yeah. scream at them and say, come on? So talk about a perfect place to work to have both. Yes. So when I think about access, I think about schools, sports, churches, churches, healthcare, babysitting, babysitting, daycares. Gosh. Access can just be someone who's finding someone in a relationship so they can have access to a child. Mm -hmm. After school programs. Mm -hmm. uh, shelters. Foster care. And, you know, children in general are vulnerable already just because they are children. You know. Um, one of the biggest things that I have heard from adults who I've worked with when we talk about grooming and manipulation is um, the trick, emotional tricking to say uh, the man. And we're going to stick with, we know majority of 
does do women perpetrate? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we know that a majority of the perpetrators are men. Um, is if I'm going to groom a woman for her children, or if I just want to groom the woman in general, the self-disclosure of I've been sexually assaulted. And so they're lying, you know, so then they can see the response of the woman. So they're going to know immediately mm-hmm. if that woman has been sexually assaulted or sexually abused, mm-hmm. what are the odds she got treatment? So then I automatically know she longs to be loved and feel important and worthy. And she probably doesn't have a good sense of boundaries, healthy boundaries, physically and sexually. Yeah. It's like one of the easiest questions I can ask to go ahead and just not put a whole lot of time in to figure that out. Does she yeah, have a history of trauma that's untreated? Does she have even a support system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so victim selection, access, it's it's, I know it is and it's so much like um I think back over the years you know and the different stories that people have shared with me and um what I have noticed has been mostly moms were groomed to have access to their kids because moms were struggling. Moms needed help financially, um, emotionally, physically. Um, And that's been most of the stories that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult because, and I know you've had this question a million times too, ultimately kids and adults too, they want to know why, why me? Why, why did, and I'm going to stick with the male gender as being a perpetrator, like you said, because statistics show more men perpetrate than women. Um, but why did he choose me? Yeah. And it is such a hard question because we, we know why, right? Like statistics are showing us, I mean, hell, the perpetrators are telling us, right? Right. (laughs) Why I'm choosing, but that is such a difficult question to answer. And it requires such delicate skill Mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't want to induce any type of blame or guilt because it's not the victim's fault, no, but not. then they want to say, but these are characteristics of me. He chose me. How is it not my fault? He tricked you. Yeah. He manipulated you. Kind of like it reminds me of when, um, people are introduced to ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. you know, those 10 questions that can be a predictor of future mental health and physical health outcomes. Um, It is so hard to ask those questions or sometimes field those questions. And then someone say, oh my God, no wonder I have heart disease. No wonder I wanna, I have depression, anxiety. And then it does 
it is just such a delicate thing. It's like we want, and that's part of the work. We want to do prevention and we want to educate people. And at the same time, I, I think back to all the families I've worked with, even though I've been as delicate and as loving and kind and compassionate and explaining, there's still a point where it, it, it just does, you see the look on the mom's faces, you know, you see the look on the kids' faces and it's just like, shit, I didn't have a fucking chance to start, you know? Um, and that's really, I think as a practitioner, that's been a really just difficult thing to struggle with, to figure out that, that balance. And, and with ACEs too, when I explain it, you know, this does not mean this is going to happen, but research shows that this is a possibility. Or how about the, when you're working with a kid, um, depending on their age and understanding is, we know that you've been sexually abused, what I, I can't remember, triples, it's like something unheard of increases the percentage that you're going to be sexually assaulted as an adult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Untreated. Because if you're not able to work on those things, have a healthy understanding of boundaries, how to set boundaries, healthy relationships, um, then you're going to be a great target as you get older for unhealthy relationships and sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the part of doing the education because, you know, so much of what we do is education too. It's like, we got to do education. We got to do therapy. We got to do education. It's like this, you know, little dance of now you got some knowledge. Now let's explore, you know, how does this show up in your life? You know, um, it is so hard though, that, that sometimes that education piece, especially when I get to the whole grooming, um, especially in talking with parents and with kids, it's like, that's, that's the part I, I like the least in the work that I do, because I know that no matter how I present it, it's going to land the way it's going to land. Well, and when you're saying that too, I'm thinking like culturally, and I know that you said that the, our podcast reaches near and far. Mm -hmm. So for individuals that are hearing this in different countries, it, different countries, thinking about Western culture versus what is normal in your home. Mm -hmm. So when I think about my house, you know, individuals don't walk around that we're clothed. Or if we think about bathing habits, and that can be very different from someone else's home. Mm -hmm. where um, maybe it is common practice for extended family to live with you and there isn't privacy. So there's confusion with boundaries is more of a cultural upbringing. And it's yes. very hard to learn those boundaries and then change them if it was something that was already culturally woven. Yeah. That you make excellent point. And just thinking about family dynamics and then let's just say, you know, there's like the culture of where you exist in the world. There is the culture of whatever uh, belief system you have on a spiritual basis, right? Then there's a culture of the community of which you exist in. 
then there's a culture of how you identify in this world. Look at all these like levels of culture. Then there is a family dynamic culture. And what if your family dynamic culture is there are six people living in one house with one bathroom? Yeah. How can you really have privacy to shower, take a bath when there are five people who might need to pee or poop? And not even about culturally, let's just talk about socioeconomics. We all are on a pallet on the floor. How can I create boundaries in sleeping? Because, you know, if we don't there, what about the boundaries in the restroom? What about the boundaries that, Mm -hmm. that it leaks into other spots? And so it's really hard to talk about grooming and manipulation without some discussion of boundaries just you know oh yeah and what you're doing right now but yeah i just i just wish for whoever is listening and for future individuals that we work with to really understand the intention and to be able to put the blame on on the perpetrator because manipulation Grooming is manipulation. It is intentional. It is done with an intent to harm, with an agenda. Yeah. And you know, it's been interesting in the the past five years um, when that takes hold, that thought, and when healing, of course, is happening, and that allows the thought to take hold of, it's not my fault, and that really gets embodied. You know, that's a whole different level of perspective and understanding. Um, But many times, you know, we're the first person that's told somebody it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. But if I've been walking around forever, how many years thinking, oh my gosh, that did this to myself. (laughs) Well, it's going to be kind of hard to confront that, right? If we're thinking that, which is not true. But as you know, it's the stories that we create that we tell ourselves and our brains are neurobiologically wired to go negative for survival. Yep. So healing is actually going against the neurobiology that exists (laughs) in our brains. And that's some hard shit. Right. So you're talking about that. And then we are noticing when we're talking about grooming and manipulation, where it does land in your nervous system. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in order to even wrap this up, we do need to walk up the ladder and talk about it is never too late to be able to identify mm-hmm. the red flags. It is okay to clarify why someone did something. Mm -hmm. It's okay to notice that some of these check marks when you're discussing, when you're thinking about this, or you are applying this to a relationship in your life or your kid's life to know, oh, that hit a couple boxes. What am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Can I do something about it? What's that going to look like? Um, I can get treatment. I can go to therapy. 
I could call New Beginnings and ask them, hey, could I meet with you? Because I think my kid's being groomed and I don't know what to do. I think I'm being groomed and I don't know what to do about that. Well, and that reminds me too. I have had those calls where people call and they just want, it's like a consult, like, um, and it usually starts out like, I think I'm being crazy, minimizing. I'm not really sure, but this is going on. And like, I, I don't want to like call something in and it become a big deal or call the police. Can I just talk to you? So they bring up things, which then opens the door to a bunch of different subject matters that we talked about today. And then they get to kind of yeah. sit and say, oh, yes, that does happen. Oh, you're right. I am seeing that. Oh, my gosh. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Part two. What do I do? I know that's the application part that's coming up next. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad that we walked up that ladder because to let people know, even if you see red flags, there are people who will help you figure that out and help you to figure what my next step is. And then how do I even ask for clarification? Because sometimes we don't know. And we can, that's what therapists do. We help people figure out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's always hope. And what if today, just oh, what if, hmm, a what if formation? What if today, after someone hears this, it gets the wheels to turn in? and they think, and then they question, or they call and they ask for some support and questions. What if that has stopped another person from being a victim? Because that does happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can stop before it even happens by just tuning in and having some knowledge and awareness. Or permissions. Oh my gosh, they talked about this. I'm going to talk to my kid. Oh, I haven't even thought about introducing the, the thoughts about secret telling. Um, oh, maybe after I listen to this podcast, we're going to shut the door when we use the restroom in our house. Mm-hmm. We're going to start talking about privacy. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel nice, safely and connected in my nervous system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my gosh, well, Becky, I'm so excited because we are definitely out of time today. We could talk for hours and hours on this, but um, I'm so excited for you to join. And uh, thank you so much for all your knowledge and experience and for dropping it on the communities, truth bombs. Thanks for having me. Always, always. So for all the podcast listeners out there, until next time. We'll come back with, what do I do now? We'll give you some tips. Adios. Uh, (laughs) See you guys later. Stay frosty. Stay frosty. (laughs) Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020, Green River 00026, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, 
exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwilde.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.